It's February 12th, and it's good to be with you today. We are reading through the Bible, following the daily Old and New Testament portions from the One-Year Bible. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and I'm happy to serve as your tour guide, pointing out significant features in the biblical landscape as we travel through each page. Today we are continuing to read through the book of Exodus and the story of the nation of Israel as it's liberated from its years of slavery and emerges as a people whose purpose is to glorify God in their worship and their obedience. In recent days, we've imagined some attention-getting headlines to kind of whet our interest to the passage we're about to read. I can imagine something would be written about Moses' radiant face frightening the masses. If you recall, Moses had been given the Ten Commandments, and when he came down from Sinai, he found the people worshiping the golden calf. The Lord mercifully gives another copy to Moses to bring to the people. We read about this in chapter 34, beginning with verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready by the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you, and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first. And he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation? And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, Please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. And he said, Behold, I am making a covenant. Before all your people I will do marvels, such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Take care, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their Asherim, for you shall worship no other god. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and you are invited, you eat of his sacrifice, and you take of their daughters for your sons, and their daughters whore after their gods, and make your sons whore after their gods. 
you shall not make for yourself any gods of cast metal. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, as I commanded you, at the time appointed in the month Abib. For in the month Abib you came out from Egypt. All that open the womb are mine, all your male livestock, the firstborn of cow and sheep. The firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. All the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. You shall observe the feast of weeks, the firstfruits of wheat harvest, and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Three times in the year shall all your males appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel. For I will cast out nations before you, and enlarge your borders. No one shall covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened, or let the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover remain until the morning. The best of the firstfruits of your ground you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for in accordance with these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. Chapter 35 Sabbath Regulations Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and stones for setting, for the ephod, and for the breastpiece. So let's take a few moments to recap. The Israelites' pledge of allegiance to keep God's commands was short-lived. 
in Exodus 19, verse 8. By Exodus chapter 32, before Moses had come down from Mount Sinai, they had already become full-fledged idolaters engaged in pagan revelry, worshiping the golden calf. Not only did the people break the commandments, but so did Moses when he cast down the tablets in anger in Exodus 32:19. The Lord asks that the tablets be replaced. He mercifully renews his covenant with his people as Moses asks for forgiveness on behalf of the people. Then the Lord makes his attributes known. He is a God of justice who is also slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Yet sin must be punished. Notice in verse 6 of Exodus 34, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Have you personally found the Lord to be merciful? I hope you can thank God that His demand that your sin be punished was met in Christ, who willingly took the place of those who would believe on Him as their Lord and Savior, taking that punishment upon His own body on the cross. It is important to note that these tables of stone were to be put inside the Ark of the Testimony. This speaks of the fact that Jesus, the God-man, perfectly fulfills God's demands for righteousness on our behalf. Only He has kept the commandments through His active obedience. He also fulfills the law by His passive obedience, that is, by submitting to death on the cross. Because of His testimony and that of His shed blood, mercy has triumphed over judgment. The judgment seat has become a mercy seat. The throne of righteousness has become a throne of grace. God is a jealous God and expects spiritual fidelity from His people in Exodus 34.14. In the context of spiritual fidelity, the Lord demands that young goats not be boiled in its mother's milk. What is that all about? In verse 26, You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. This law was given in the context of God's requirements for purity in worship. Cooking a young goat in its mother's milk was a pagan ritual, and the Lord was commanding that none of these pagan superstitions and worship practices be adopted by His people. In Exodus 34, verses 13 to 17. Later, the rabbis would embellish and twist this law, interpreting it as a stipulation to separate meat from dairy products. As far as we can tell, this was never the original intention, but one of the many added traditions that obscured the true meaning of the law. When Moses comes down from the mountain, his face is shining as a result of his face-to-face communion with God. He must wear a veil when addressing his people. The Apostle Paul draws out the spiritual implication of this. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7. But if the ministry of death, in the letters engraved on stones, came with glory, so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what had glory, in this case has no glory, 
because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech, and are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face, so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened, for until this day at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. We have the benefits of beholding the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, is the one who has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, the glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. In John chapter 1, verse 14, Moses reminds the people that participation in the major festivals will require that the men make three annual pilgrimages to appear before the Sovereign Lord. He also emphasizes the importance of keeping the festivals including the Sabbath, in Exodus 34, verses 18 to 24. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. The Lord wants our participation in worship. We read about the offering for the tabernacle in chapter 35, verses 4 to 9. The people were to contribute to the building of the tabernacle from the resources that they had with them in the wilderness. Moses published a list of the needed items, and the people gave willingly. Now let's read the New Testament passage in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 15 to 31. The crowd chooses Barabbas. Verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, or Jesus, who is called the Christ. For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, 
and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him, and took the reed, and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe, and put his own clothes on him, and led him away to crucify him. These events, leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus, are a lasting indictment on the evil and the depravity of the human heart. The people choose to put to death an innocent man rather than a proven criminal. The crowd cries, Give us Barabbas! In Matthew 27, verse 21. Pilate knew that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. At least seven times he attests to Jesus' innocence, saying in effect, I find no fault in him. John chapter 18, verse 38. John chapter 19, verse 4 and 6. Luke chapter 23, verses 4, 14, 15 and Matthew chapter 27, verse 23. Pilate's wife knew Jesus was innocent and suffered a nightmare because of him. In Matthew 27, verse 19, Pilate challenges the crowd that demands Jesus' death, asking, What crime has he committed? Pilate washes his hands. I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. The people yelled back, We will take the responsibility, we and our children. However, Pilate is not off the hook. None of us are. We are all responsible and accountable for what we do with Jesus. Pilate, having proclaimed Jesus' innocence, still has him brutally beaten. Then he turns him over to be crucified. Such is the fickleness of the human heart. Jesus is stripped, beaten, mocked, and crowned with thorns. Now we turn to the book of Psalms. Continuing to read from Psalm 33, beginning with verse 12. And reading the psalm today is Devin Wagner. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. This section of Psalm 33 deals with the Lord's special government of his people. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all He who understands all their works. How wonderful it is to know the government of God. 
And now it's my special privilege to introduce, reading the Proverbs for the day, our granddaughter, Sila McAdam. Proverbs 9, 1-6 Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young woman to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn and hear. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Thank you, Sila. Let's pray together. O gracious Father, you have included us in Christ so that we who believe are in him. By your doing, you have made him to be for us our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification and redemption. We are complete in him. What a solid foundation this is. What a refuge and what nourishment we have in him. He has fulfilled the law on our behalf. He has given us Sabbath rest. Lord, we are aware of our fickle hearts, so prone to plead for the Barabbases and underestimate the testimony of your righteousness in Christ. Thank you for your active obedience that said yes to the commands and your passive obedience that said yes to the cross. When we should have been penalized at the judgment seat, you have seated us with your Son in mercy. May we live to glorify you and sing of your mercy forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today, and we encourage you to visit our website, newlife.org. You can receive free materials there, resources, including a printed copy of the daily meditation on the One Year Bible. And also, if you have any questions or comments, you can contact us at info at newlife.org. Info, I-N-F-O, at newlife.org. Thank you, and God bless you.